Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. I mean, he's definitely like a, a weird libertarian, but he's a lot of fun to hang out with. Like, the, the, the type of people that are attracted to libertarianism are so interesting. <laughs> I mean, we are kind of... Uh... Like I, I always kind of wonder. Like I, I wish I could see what people would think about us. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like uh, we do we come off that weird? <laughs> I think I'm. I'm. I mean, I, I'm very likable, and this guy was very likable too. But I think that for sure we come off as kind of unusual. Yeah, and, I mean, like, there's a difference. Like, I don't mean like likable because yeah. that's the thing. Is like there are very few people. Like these days that I I don't, it's not that I like that I don't find likable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, there are people like I'm just like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be around that person again. Right, right. But it's rare where I'm like, I just hate that person. Well, yeah, I mean, like I think like one at at the old libertarian meetings, there were very few people. Like there was that Napoleon guy once who I just found insufferable, mm-hmm. and because he wouldn't stop talking about Napoleon. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that guy? No. Oh my gosh, yeah. So it was one of Matt Smith's friends. And oh, okay. He came and he's a nice guy, but he just wouldn't – everything – like we would like say something and he'd be like – and he called Napoleon something weird, like the general or something like that. Like he would refer to him not as Napoleon, but as like <laughs> the general or, or something along those lines. I can't remember exactly what it was, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was so bizarre <laughs> and uh, he was just a un- very unusual person. Huh. Yeah. I, um, have you had a Trebano or no, Trebinio? I don't think so. Yeah, it's a, apparently a very uh, widely printed, planted Italian white wine grape. You know, I don't. Um, I don't think I've because on that big marathon sale at Last Bottle Wines, uh-huh. uh, they had tons of Italians coming up, and I just didn't recognize the names of what they were. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And they, and during the marathon, they don't put up details really of it. They just put. They're just like, here it is. Mm-hmm. And, it, well, and it's just the bottle and the name. I think most Italians are blends, so okay. you kind of run into that too. Yeah, well, because this is a, this is a from the splash wines. This is a one of those okay. um, that I got, and I've never knowingly had this variety before. But according to Wikipedia, it's like extremely widely planted, but it's also like according to this, like a hundred percent. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, let's let's go ahead and just get right into it then. Yeah. Um, Mason, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking, and I am going to butcher the pronunciation more than normal because this isn't Spanish this time. It's Italian. Nice. Um, so the winery or the winery on the bottle is Primi Soli, um, and it's a Trebino, um, Grande Italian. It doesn't have a year. It's a 11% alcohol ABV. Um, got it as part of the that splash wines uh package that i got from my parents for my birthday so uh what is today jacob like april 28th yeah that's right april 28th i'm I'm still enjoying the 18 bottles that i got (laughs) from january 25th and i think you have purchased more wine excluding the uh great sale that you're going to tell us about yeah um in a little bit i think you've purchased more wine than I've, 
I, I don't know how to say this. Basically, you've bought more than 18 bottles, out, excluding those other ones you got on the sale. Um, and I haven't bought any wine that wasn't cooking wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, I didn't got, drink. <laughs> I got – I have so much wine right now. We actually – I bought a new wine rack. Uh, oh, wow. It hasn't come yet. It's, it's a wall-mounted wine rack because mm-hmm. I was – the cupboard – I just don't have enough space in the cupboard for this. And yeah. uh and I think maybe if it's like in my face and I see it, I'll stop buying more. <laughs> um, Possibly. I, I, um, I hope I, I hope that that's the case. <laughs> yeah. So this one, my wife uh, thought it was really sweet. Um, me, you know, it, it's got a has some acidity to it on the the first one. I first when I first had it, I also had it unchilled, so I just mm-hmm. had it at room temperature in the house, and it was cool enough in the house. Um, Oh, but you know now what? that I have it chilled, it, it's kind of muted. Interesting. Um, but the back has a quick description of the grape. It's an ancient grape variety that's given new life, and this aromatic, refreshing, and zesty dry white. And it is dry, has good acidity. Yeah, pretty good for accompanying most food types. But try this wine with chunky uh, fish dishes, richly sauced pastas, or on its own, served chilled. Um, I would definitely say served chilled. Um, Probably a good idea. And uh, pastas, yeah, especially uh, heavily sauced ones. Yeah. Because I think the acidity would pull a lot of the um, sauce remnants off your tongue. Mm-hmm. I think we actually have had this before now that I'm looking at it um, yeah. in the Wikipedia article. So it's Trebbiano, is, and it's a native Italian grape, mm-hmm. but it also goes by uh, St. Emilion, uh, White Hermitage, and uh, White Shiraz. Mm. So I think we've both – well, I wouldn't say we both have, but I think if we ever go to like a party that has like Yellowtail or something like that, the White Shiraz from Australia is probably this. Mm. That's going okay. to be my guess. I don't know that for sure. Uh, but I have had uh, whites from St. Emilion in, in France, which I think is in Bordeaux in, the, in that region of France. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my guess would be this is part of that white blend. The, the Bordeaux, so, like a Bordeaux not, Blanc blend. Yeah, not to uh, derail our uh, interesting little research there. Yeah. I Google searched white Syrah. Okay. Um, but the first suggestion from Google was white Sriracha, which. Oh, interesting. Hmm. <laughs> it's kind of one that made me want to research that. Yeah, I wonder what that uh, is. But I'll, I'll leave that aside for now and hopefully I'll remember <laughs> when we're done recording. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, this is one of those ones that uh, Splash has sold out of it. The uh, Vino had a price estimate, and, you know, it was greater than 10 but less than 40 But it was closer to the 10, 10 range, but not so close. I'd be like, oh, it's $12. You know, it wasn't right. a clear, easy guess. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that this is a bad bottle of wine. I'm not saying it's a good bottle of wine. I don't know the grape well enough. Okay. Um, my wife made... Um, Oh my goodness, corned beef and uh, cabbage and potatoes Mm. and carrots. And I wanted to get a red um, out of the selection, but because I didn't have the higher step stool, because Jacob, you know, in my house where my laundry room is, I've got that shelf above it. Yeah. That's where I've been keeping the wine. Oh, okay. That's a good place. Not the greatest temperature control. Well, probably not, Um, but it's it's still, it's out of the way. It's not a bad place. Yeah. And um, so... I didn't have the right step stool to get up there really easily. Plus my wife was taking her laundry out of the dryer. So I was like, instead of killing both of us by raining bottles on us, I'll yeah. just grab the uh, closest white. Oh, that's a good <laughs> that's idea. That's what I got. Yeah. yeah, it works. Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing, like based on this, I know I'm missing stuff. It's kind of like, um, 
like Pinot's, mm-hmm. I know I'm missing something. Yeah. And I'd like to explore it more. Okay. Well, there are, yeah, and there are a lot for both you and me, I think, that um, we get kind of, we get something that it is interesting, it's complex in its own way, but because it's new to us, we don't really see it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I run across that occasionally with one where, like, I'm like, I, I can tell this is a high-quality wine, and sometimes it takes, particularly with red wine, sometimes it takes it to be open for a little while. White wines are not exactly the same way. But uh, for like like some of the Cab Francs that I've gotten, they're a little bit more expensive. Like I get it in the first glass, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm not really so stoked about this. And then after it's been opened up for a little while, you know, it gets oxidized a little bit. Some of the aromas start coming out, and it and it becomes much more interesting, much more complex. And I wonder what the equivalent to like decanting a red wine would be for a white wine, or if there is one. That might be something good for us to ask. Uh, Jackson. Jackson, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. I think um, as uh, John Davidanias is um, branching out a little more into whites, it seems, mm-hmm. at least because he's um, doing a Grigio, right? Right, Primarily. that's right. Yeah, yeah, he's doing a Grigio. I'd like to kind of see what he thought on that too. Yeah. Um, kind of from that standpoint of like, hey, you don't normally do this. Like what are your thoughts on like proper serving? But I, I definitely know like with a lot of the mm-hmm. – the whites that I drink and stuff like that, you definitely get something more when they've been open for a little bit. Sometimes the acidity seems to come down and I don't know if there's some sort of oxidization of, um, these acidic elements. Um, you know, that's what I I notice a lot, but that also might be because generally with a white, like most of them are of such low alcohol. It's kind of like, okay, I know I'm not hammered where you're like, Oh, I've had like six glasses of this, uh, uh, Merlot, um, Symphodel or something like that. And you're right. like, Oh, it's pretty alcoholic. Um, it's not that, but like it's the acidity and the, the, sometimes the sweetness, depending on the, the white variety, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm over the high flavor and now I'm tasting the rest of it. So I would, uh, say, how did you pronounce the grape again? I said Trebbiano. I, I think that's much closer, if not exactly right. Okay. Cause like when I look at that, I can't make that in my head sound that. Okay. But when I hear you say it, I'm like, that's exactly how I should be trying to say it. <laughs> it tri- I, I, I mean, that's what it looks like to me. But mm-hmm. it's kind of, I, you know, your, your wife actually probably could read one of those like pronunciation. You know how they probably. have that sometimes. Yeah, the style yeah. guide or whatever. Yeah, I think I think it's Trebbiano though. It doesn't have a style guide on the wiki page, but yeah. I, I vaguely recall maybe hearing uh, Elizabeth from Wine for Normal People talk about this on one mm, of the episodes, mm, and so gotcha. I, I think that that's how you say it. It's, it's Treviano. According to Wiki Wikipedia, this is actually a cross between um, a pink skinned Italian wine grape called Mazzanio Rosa, mm-hmm. and one of the other uh, whites that I think is pretty good, actually. And I think you and I have had a few of them. Is uh, Gewürztraminer, mm, the German yeah. varietal, which is I I'm guess surprised, I'm surprised you like that variety because it's generally like a dessert sweet wine variety. Yeah, it, well, it can be. You know, I, I don't. I I have like a weird relationship. I think with sweetness, mm-hmm. I'm okay with it being f- very fruity and sweet on the sweet end, like off dry. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, a lot of the sweeter reds come with this additional. 
the way the only way I can describe it is like a sweet is is a rotten flavor. Like it feels like it's rotten. Or you know, it tastes so like it. Th- this is one of those things where, like, so my wife and I have been watching the uh, Great British Baking Show or Cook Off. Oh yeah, that's a real popular show in there. Yeah, over it's, there. yeah. It's, I didn't realize how popular it was. Yeah, like because it's on PBS, and you know, no one in my circle is really talking about it. Right. Um, but you know, you know, Noel Fil- Felding. Yeah. yeah, Noel Felding. Yeah, he's like the host on. Like a sec, because it was originally on BBC and they moved to Channel Four. Oh, okay. Um, so he's he's he, one of my favorite British comedians. He's yeah, hysterical. He's, he's one of the hosts. That's pretty cool. I might I might have and to check that out. <laughs> I'm telling you, you would love it. Okay. Like, I think the there's just enough competition and there's just enough Britishness in the competition. Okay. And like, because the first season that's on Netflix, so if you still have a Netflix subscription, mm-hmm. you know it's pretty much there. Okay. Um, the people are so interesting because it's so, you know, there's several people from India who've immigrated. There's, you know, it's just an interesting mix of people, but there's something about European sweetness and American sweetness. Yeah. And like when you have something that's like traditional European food that is made sweet and it's made by made to be in the European style, it's definitely sweet right but it's like sweet with cardamom or sweet with uh, ginger yeah like sweetness isn't the focus right it's the it's the accent whereas in american things a lot of the times not always but a lot of the times sweetness is the purpose yeah everything else is built around the sweetness well this is something i think you and i learned uh possibly from a brewer i don't remember who we learned this from but that uh, a lot of in beer in the beer world, a mm-hmm. lot of European beers that are exported to the U.S. are made sweeter with various types of syrup mm-hmm. to fit the American palate because Americans do typically like things much sweeter than Europeans. Yeah, and one one of the lambics that I used to really like the um, I'm trying I can't remember who makes it, but it's they have peach lambic and raspberry and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Those. They do still have peach and raspberry and all that sort of stuff, but I think that in Belgium they're not they don't add peach syrup and they don't add raspberry syrup. The the process and the yeast is what gives it those flavors. Mm-hmm. And then I guess when they tried to sell it originally in the US, it kind of fell flat because people are like, "Well, I don't really I don't taste the sweetness of peach or whatever." So they end up adding syrup to it. Yeah, those are very good. They're very good in like and that's the thing is like you and I aren't very big. Like I'm, I enjoy sweeter things than you do normally. Yeah. But like, I don't like overly sweet things most of the time. Yeah. And like, I really do love those lambics. Yeah. Um, cause I, I know the one you're talking, the ones you're talking about and my wife who isn't, she likes sweet stuff, but she's not like a sweet head. Like, you know, right. she's not the, like everything must be sweet sort of person. She yeah. does really like savory and salty and, and those things. Um, she really likes those, but I'd be really interested in going to Belgium and drinking the Belgian ones. Yeah. Well, you know, this kind of goes on to sort of the, the next topic of this is I, I do have a beer tonight and I have two wines that I kind of want to mm. review. But uh, my sister, who is a beer person and who I, yes. I recently visited and didn't get an episode with yet, but we're going to – we just didn't have time while I was there. I, I will tell you I am uh, – so, so, so the listeners can understand – Jacob and I's level of friendship. 
we often tell each other what we're planning to do in the future, but we often don't always remember necessarily to say, oh yeah, that's happening now. Yeah. So I'm not saying Jacob didn't tell me he was going <laughs> last weekend to visit his sister. I just stopped hearing from him. And, you know, Jacob usually texts me first because yeah. he's an hour behind, so I don't want to wake him up. And I know he puts his phone on silent, but, you know, you still have that, like, right. I don't want to wake my friend up sort of yeah. mentality. Yeah, and then yeah, I get yeah. engrossed in work and then you're getting up and then, you know, we, that's usually how our day starts. Right. So I sent a text, didn't hear back from you, but I sent it overnight, which a lot of times that'll happen. Yeah. And then you'll respond with something that's like, I know he read the text, but he's talking about something else now because I do the same thing. Yeah. Just how we are. And then... I didn't hear from you for like 38, yeah, was, 36 hours or yeah. so. Well, I mean, yeah, it was close to, close to, yeah, I mean, probably close to two days because yeah. I had, I, it was weird. I had the most sporadic reception there. Yeah. It was bizarre. And, and it's a city. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's and, not, well, not a. This is the, this is the funny thing. These are the things that went through my mind. It's like, did I somehow offend him? Hmm. And then I was like, no, Jacob would have told me if I offended him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now, like I could imagine somehow messing up to the point where you wouldn't tell me and you would basically ghost me, but it would kind of be like that. Like I just shot a baby in front of you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like you'd probably be calling the cops and like trying to detain me, you know, like right. you, you would physically like make it known that like something <laughs> had gone wrong. Yeah. So then like I honestly thought that you had gotten hurt oh. or were really sick or possibly dead. And no one had any idea how to get a hold of me to just let me know. Yeah. So I took to looking on Twitter to see if the Childerberg or the Tasting Anarchy Twitters had posted. Anything. Well, even even those were fairly dead too, because I, yeah. I, I I mean I was going through and you like, didn't have reception. Yeah, and, I had such bad reception. It was weird. It was to the point where my wife texted your wife yeah. to see what was up, and then you got to a point where you just had enough reception, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm in, I'm in you know I'm with my sister, and I'm like. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> that makes total sense. It's well, the Easter weekend. Yeah, he's went to see family. Perfectly fine. I knew he was going to Nebraska at some point. Right. I just didn't remember if you had told me, "Hey, I'm going over Easter or not." But I was just, you know, kind of that like, "What have I done? Yeah, <laughs> is he okay?" <laughs> and then I'm thinking like. I'm pretty sure your wife has my number. I'm pretty sure people would figure out somehow to get a hold of me yeah. if something had happened. Oh, they probably yeah they would have. And and she, and Victoria pointed it out to me because she was like, "Hey, uh, Ashley texted me and said you haven't texted Mason in a long time." And I went, "No, I texted him a couple times." And I went and looked, and they were all still in like pending. No, no, like sending. It, it was oh. just like sending dot dot yeah, dot. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh," and then so I canceled all of them, mm -hmm. and then like resent I think the last one. Because I yeah. was like, none of these conversations even make sense to me anymore. So <laughs> I was like, I don't know these. I don't know what these mean. So, but you know, while I was out there, what was cool? I mean, it was just it was it was a fun trip. I and I like seeing my sister. It's a, it's a small mm -hmm. small town. It's not. It's like in my mind, Nebraska was way lamer than it turned out to be. Yeah, that's the the heartland is one of those things where it. I don't think the heartland is a very fun place to visit. If you don't have someone who lives yeah, there, yeah, because it's it's just like Virginia Beach in Norfolk, where it's there's a lot of sprawl. There are big buildings, there mm -hmm. are clear downtowns, mm -hmm. but you don't know. You know, it's like if you go in downtown Norfolk, you end up in Squatty, Scotty Quicks, which isn't necessarily a bad place. Yeah, 
but it's not what you and I would want to see. Exactly. And then this is this is your flavor of the place, and then you could have gone to Todd Urich's. Right, and Todd Urich's is real street. good. Yeah. Or to Omar's Carriage House, which yeah, is which you know, is phenomenal, really fantastic, phenomenal yeah. restaurants that have a lot of local flavor, but with that mix of these people aren't from here, like, you know, Omar's from Morocco or wherever, and it, yeah. it's like, no, you could have these amazing experiences, like, Within a five and a half, ten minute walk right. and a comfortable and safe walk, but mm-hmm. you know, downtown Norfolk, you wouldn't necessarily know that. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, and I yeah. think that's sort of how uh, she lives in Lincoln. So, like downtown Lincoln is like it's an old railroad town, uh-huh. um, and it, and I guess it's the capital of the state. I I don't. I, I probably knew that when I was younger, but like it, for some reason, I thought Omaha was their capital. Probably because it's a know, bigger to city. Be, to be honest, I don't think I would have guessed Lincoln. Yeah, but as soon as you said it, I'm like. He's not wrong, yeah. But I still don't know if that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it's you know it's not a big city, but it's mm-hmm. it's a pretty neat old old timey like downtown, yeah. like old west downtown, mm-hmm. and a uh, lot of lot of good restaurants down there. Big nightlife. It's a college town, so there's a lot of like college people out and doing stuff. No free parking though, which was bizarre. Because uh, like even here in Dallas, like we live uptown, and and there's free parking all over the place. And I mean, when yeah. you go way downtown, there's there's a lot of paid lots, but you can find free parking. Well, I think I think the way, I think cities evolve in two ways. They evolve where there's free parking, and then they evolve where there's not. Mm-hmm. And you hit that mix of like, you know, like places like Norfolk. There are plenty of places to park for free. It's just not convenient. Yeah. And then you hit places like Virginia Beach, where you basically park anywhere. Yeah, and, like it's very hard to like very Virginia Beach is very hard to know where it's not free if it's a deck. Right. But then it's like, oh, wait, I could just park at Dick's. Like, yeah. Especially if you're in downtown Virginia Beach is like are at the mall. It's yeah, like, I'm not getting towed. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this was like this was not like that at all. It was all the garages were pay all. And fortunately, my uh, sister's boyfriend, he had a, a pass that was mm-hmm. that his work gives him. So. I just used that to park because we, we were staying downtown and it was the weekend, so he wasn't using it. Yeah. And, um, and you know, just a neat, a neat old town. You know, she works at a, it's a chain restaurant called Hopcat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they have them out. They don't have them in Texas, I don't think. And they don't have them. I'm going to say they don't have them here. It's probably like yeah. a Heartland thing. It, it could be a guy, I, a friend of hers was, was flying out to go open one up in Michigan. So, or, or Minnesota maybe. And so I think it is like a Heartland thing, but they have like a hundred beers on draft, uh, and they rotate 30 of them every week. So I, I would never be able to get a beer cause like we went to Jesse's on yeah. Friday. Oh, I love Jesse's. They were out of, uh, Negro Modelo oh, on tap. That's a bummer. And then the time before that, they were out of Negro Modelo on tap. And I just told them, like, look, what do you have on tap? Because, you know, Jacob, my classic, I'll order what you don't have. Yeah, exactly. Continuously. Yeah. Always. Yeah, always. <laughs> yeah. It's like I go to your sister and be like, uh, Mason, I hate to tell you this. We're out of 100 beers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like so oh, you came at the wrong time. Drink well drinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, But it was, a, it was a cool restaurant. And, and Jory is really into Belgians, kind of to get back mm-hmm. to that. And so she was... There, there. We, well, I, I wanted to drink local while I was there, so uh, I drank the, a couple of different Nebraska IPAs and a couple of Nebraska saisons. And she's also mm-hmm. real into saisons right now. And mm-hmm. the the way they do it, actually, I think much more or much similar. Is it much more similar? I guess it would be much more similar to 
like uh, North France in the Belgian region, uh, Saisons, mm-hmm. where they're very farmy. Ooh. Uh, and so really like a lot of grassy taste to it. Really good. Really very smooth. I, so I, I enjoyed like them. like the, uh, the New Zealand um, Pinot Grigio we yeah, had. Uh, yeah. Silver fern. Right. Yeah. Like that heavy grass notes. Yes. And, yep. it, and it sounds like it wouldn't be good. Yeah. And then a Pinot, not really. Right. But like in a Saison. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, the, it's, it's, and, um, what was it like? Uh, do you remember the kind of the texture mouthfeel of them? Like, yeah, the, so like the liquid? Yeah. Both of them were, they were viscous, but frothy. So, uh, like almost chewy. Yeah. Kind of. But, yeah. but like, so it was like, it was a lighter, like, well, I wouldn't even say light bodied, but it was like, it was very frothy. So it was like, had a lot of foam and stuff like that, but it wasn't like crisp, like a cider or like a, a sparkling wine or something like that. It yeah. Was, Cause that, that's not a foam necessarily. That's a, yeah. That's like a bubble. Like this right, is more right. like um, I guess froth is the only way. It's kind of like yeah. a like a whipped egg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, very good though. And um, so I, I'll probably have some minis where I review some of those beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was kind of talking to me a lot about the just Belgian style um, lambics that she likes that were either Belgian style or from Belgium, and kind of gave me some taste of, of, of a flight. You know, she, she just got a flight while we were there and she was just like, I like these. And like, so I had, we just, you know, I, I don't normally share drinks with people, but with Correct. my, with my family, we, we, we have shared five <laughs> drinks. Yeah, I think so. And, and usually mm. it's, I'll let you taste it after I've had a taste or something like that. Yeah. So. Or no, I, I had three of these beforehand. You have to try this. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So that was a lot of fun. We tried a lot of different things. I entered. I I bought. Uh, and actually, I was a little bit disappointed in this bottle of wine because I didn't think it was a very good represent uh, representation of Santa Barbara Pinot Noir. So mm. I got, I got a bottle of Santa Barbara Pinot Noir to to for her to try, and we opened it. And I just was like, eh, it's good, but it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, and it was kind of expensive actually. So I was a little yeah. bummed but out. I mean, about like that. You're, you're talking about a Santa Barbara Noir, yeah. In Nebraska, yeah, like, exactly. It, it would be like a Santa Barbara Noir here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's it, to get it here to have that specificness to it. Like, I mean, if you were in Vegas, like I'd expect it to be, you know, probably ten dollars cheaper. Yeah, probably. But it's like the, uh, like I really wish I'd photographed the the winery, the Noir I had, because like Kasam and I had a Noir at an event on Thursday that oh, yeah. you know about. Yeah. And his best noir either of like I I've ever had and Kasan was like, this doesn't taste like a noir, but that's the thing is like, it clearly wasn't a noir. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. The overall flavors. It was like, yeah. no, this is too on the nose. Like this isn't delicate. Like this is got stuff going on. Well, but, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the California peanut noirs are not delicate at all. Like Lodi is like, Really gr- aggressive for Pinot yeah, Noir. but I think that's the Zin. Yeah, like, I think like it is they, the way they like, make it. Well, I, I was going to say I think with Lodi, like you, you have the mass production mm-hmm. techniques, and people are slowly switching away from that. It's kind yeah. of the feeling I get from the idea of Lodi because Lodi is kind of low class and low rent. Yeah, that's true. As an area, not necessarily as a winery right. region, but so Lodi is coming up. And they're moving away from high production techniques, but some of the people are experimenting because they have a lot of money from high production techniques mm-hmm. and possibly making more aggressive like noir than you would because they're also trying to mirror the Zen style. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's true. And, you know, this is this is something that happened in Texas. Um, and I think Texas, this this will kind of get into my wine for the night. And I'll, mm-hmm. and I'll go back and review my beer and then I'll review my – actually, I'll go into two of my wines for the night. But mm-hmm. uh, the – the thing that happened in Texas was back in the seventies. I may have told you this story before, and I may have told the listeners this story before. Back in the seventies, when when Texas did grow grapes for wine, but it was usually bulk grapes for filling out other wines, wines mm-hmm. from you know California or wherever. And they would they grew most of them up in up near Lubbock and the Texas High Plains region. And some people kind of decided, well, we we think we can actually grow good wine here, and so they started doing that. But one of the things that that they did is because a lot of them didn't really have a huge amount of experience in growing mm-hmm. good wine grapes. So they hired consultants from California. Mm-hmm. And so what did the California consultants say? They came, they said, you want to grow Merlot, you want to grow Zinfandel, you want to grow Cabernet Sauvignon, you want to grow these things. And that really wasn't necessarily the grape for the grapes for Texas. Well, at least not those areas of Texas. Yeah, exactly. Not those areas of Texas. That, but, yeah. And, you know, now – you know, once we, well, I'll come back to that later, but yeah. So, so for those areas of Texas, not necessarily the greatest grapes. So it took a long time, I think for Texas to start discovering, uh, what they were best at growing. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of what brings me to the wine I'm sipping on tonight, which is called sketch. Uh, it's from I don't think this is pretentious exactly, but I thought it was very funny. So mm-hmm. the, it's this organization or a winery, I guess, called uh, Vinovum, Vinovium. Mm-hmm. So it's V-I-N-O-V-I-U-M, Vinovium. All right. Yeah, I think that's the probably the closest we'll get to what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they they make wines. They don't they don't grow their own grapes. They're just they're just mm-hmm. winemakers. But what I thought was funny about it was that they call themselves also a negotion, which I thought was very strange, considering yeah. that's a very French thing. Yeah, isn't that like a consortium? <sighs> it's it's like the guy who like buys the wine and then afterwards blends it and then sells it again. I could – so not to throw it – you know, because John doesn't do this. Yeah. But – I could see taking, like, and I like kind of like horse piss wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and John's is definitely not that. I mean, we haven't right. had it, but we know. Like, yeah, yeah, that he cares, that he cares that. about it. Yeah, but like I could see taking like, oh, like the 2015 variety of this Zin mm-hmm. is just too aggressive. Yeah, and then blending it with a Noir and a, like a Shiraz to try to take some of the bite out, but put it back with the Shiraz. You know, like that. Mm-hmm blending technique where it's like look they just couldn't ever sell this right like they just screwed up so i'm gonna blend it yeah like i could see that kind of working in the american style especially like from a place like texas yeah where you have inconsistent weather Mm -hmm. with people who are still learning how to grow in texas Mm -hmm. because there are people who know how to grow in texas very well yeah but there are enough people piling on where it's like, look, hey, this is good, but you know, you can buy the same thing from California and, and it's way more consistent. Yeah, and and cheaper too usually, and that that's one of the things that I've noticed with like the higher end Texas wines that are great wines. 
mm-hmm. you are going to pay a premium for the really good ones. And this is not an exception. This is a fantastic wine. Again, it's called Sketch. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the winemaker is um, Randy Hester, and I'm not sure what an artist is, but the artist is Mila Sketch. Is it the is the is the bottle fancy? No, not really. Uh, I mean, it's got a, it's got kind of like a cool gold leaf on it, but hmm. yeah, it's not super fancy or anything. So I'm not really sure why, but it's called Sketch. Okay. It's very very good. It's forty two dollars a bottle. Okay, so um, not cheap. So one of the things that I don't think you mentioned is what type of wine it yeah. is. Like, All right, I'm, I'm getting blend. into that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm jumping. So the it okay. is a blend. It's a red blend. Okay. It's a very interesting red blend. It is 65% Tempranillo. Ooh. I think the best grape so that I've had so far that they grow in Texas is Tempranillo. Or um, possibly Vignet is up there and maybe Albarino on the white side. But mm-hmm. Tempranillo, for sure, on the red side, from all the ones that I've had, uh, it is this is the this is the this is the Texas grape. You know, it's Spanish, it's similar similar climates in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and it does really well. This is a high plain uh, Tempranillo mm-hmm. from the Rusty Dutton family vineyard. <laughs> I like so, that. It's so a very specific. Like yep. And uh, I, I, I think I also like that because it makes me think of Rusty Shackleford. Right. <laughs> Rusty, Rusty Shackleford. Shackleford. Yeah. yeah. Rusty Shackleford. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then 25%. I have not heard of this varietal, or possibly I have, and I don't know how to pronounce it exactly. Al, Alicante Bouchette. So it's I'm I'm betting they're probably using there's probably another name yeah. where you've seen it in a blend mm-hmm. and they're just picking a specific name maybe to go with a, a certain theme or something. Yeah, like, like an that. A, yeah. And then ten percent petite Syrah. Okay. Which we've heard of, and that's the uh Petit Petit. Yeah, Petit Petit had it, and that mm-hmm. is a very, very common way to add structure to a red wine. Because yeah. uh, Petit Syrah does tend to be a little bit more tannic and aggressive and acidic. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of can fill out a lot of that, um, a lot of structure that may be lacking from something else. So, uh, I'd I'd really like to get a mid range, twenty dollar bottle mm-hmm. of pure petite petite or petite sirah. Yeah, me. yeah. Like I really like. I don't want somebody who like has spent years crafting it. Mm-hmm. But I don't somebody want somebody who is just like, I grew this and I put it in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Like, I want somebody who's like still trying to figure it out. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to to to, t- to try that also. Yeah, because um, I, I want to know the underlying structure it's providing. Yeah. Because to me, like Tempranillo, like it has such a great structure to it. Yeah. But it is also very elusive. Yeah, and it can, yeah, it can it, be. I mean, like you the, get a lot of interesting flavors from Tempranillo. You can get things like, like uh, ripe plum, but you could mm-hmm. even get like sometimes vanilla and tobacco from it. Yeah, it, tobacco, yeah. leather, leather. Like you can yeah. kind of get like, and that's the thing is like I think old world Tempranillo mm-hmm. because it's so often in blend. Yeah, and it wasn't, and that's the this is the kind of great thing about like European growers. Mm-hmm. They know it's going to grow. Mm-hmm. Unlike in California, where you're like, I'm going to put down these vines. Yeah. And I'm going to put down these vines in, like, I'm 30, you know, like I'm 50 miles east of Lodi. Yeah. You have no idea if wine's going to work there. Yeah. 
Yeah, Whereas, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like I'm putting in new vineyards on this hill that the last vineyard burned down 30 years ago. Right. In, you know, somewhere middle of central Spain. Like, you know, it's going to work. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's one of those things about Tempranillo. Like, the new world version is very structured. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, no. We're going to put this up front and to see that they've blended Petit Syrah in it which we know is a very structure giving yeah. grape in its normal attack. I'd really like to see like, we, and we got to see if you think about it, try to get the wiki for that other one yeah, I can pull into the quick. notes. Yeah. And you see, cause it may be one of those ones where it's like a, another blender, like where they specifically put oh, it in there. Maybe yeah. it's got like a more fruit flavor. We, we've actually had this, I think. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's from Alejandro in Portugal. Okay. Uh, but it it's also called um, Gamancha Tintorreira, and I think we've had that in a Portuguese blend before. Um, can you spell the, the G one? Yeah, it's G-A-M-A-C-H-A. Oh, that's it. Yeah, and then uh, oh. the, 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 <laughs> like yeah, the, <laughs> the second the second word is tintorera, tintorera. So T I N T O R E R A. I I I'm pretty sure we've seen this in something before. Okay, let me Gamacho wine. Yeah. Mache? Garnacha Tintorera. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. Well, well, we, wait, yeah, we wait. Won't. So it, there's no R in it, right? G A R. G A R. Yeah. Garnacha. Garnacha. Okay. There we go. So very dark looking grape, too. It looks, it looks, really um, cool. also spelled G R. G R E N A C H E. Oh, okay. So, um, it's a very heavily pronounced planted, and Roja um, yeah. seems to and Rhone. I mean, this is yeah. Oh, yeah. I've had this one. Yeah, I think we um, have. I, I don't. I don't. Re- I don't recall it the, being called this, but I. I think we have had it. Yeah, the um, El Pastor. Yeah. Okay. They do a yeah. When next time you go into. Um, uh, a big Kroger. Mm-hmm. See if you can find the El Pastor Granacha. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's the one my. So they have a Tempranillo, mm-hmm. Tempranillo, and it's not as good, um, as other ones. But their Granacha is what we use to cook for red wines. Oh, okay. It's very good. Um, and it's a good sipping one. So yeah, this is um, is a very spicy one. Mm-hmm. All right. Wine uh, grape type, yeah. So no, we we've definitely had this one, yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, so, what are the flavors you're getting in this one? So the wine itself, I it is it's um it is tannic. It is uh, it does have a lot of those uh, Tempranillo style tobacco and kind of leathery mm-hmm. flavors. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also like a spiciness to it, but not like baking spice. More like not pepper, but more. That's the Garnacha. Yeah, yeah. So there is there is a peppery to it. Um, it's uh, it's a little bit savory, but it also has like ripe blackberries. 
very good. I, I really like it a lot. Yeah, um, the, it's very I, similar I to the, old old I, world. I think it's it's brambly a little bit. It's yeah, what, you I know think how the, they say like kind of like I, the, the way yeah. you're describing it. It sounds like the Tempranillo is the obviously I mean being sixty five percent is yeah. the front flavor, but the back end. Mm-hmm. Is the other two? Yeah. So what I think this has over a normal straight high plains tempranillo is uh, a level of acidity mm-hmm. and a level of uh, smoothness. So it is a lot smoother, and that mm-hmm. that may be the process. So let me tell you a little bit about the process because I thought this was interesting. Okay. So uh, it says there was a thirty percent bleed off of juice to aid in concentration. I didn't know what that meant, so I looked it up. And something that they'll do with red wines sometimes is because red wines are fermented with the skins and, and the stems to, mm-hmm. to add uh, the, the tannicness and some of the acidity and some of the mineraliness and that sort of thing, what they'll do is they'll take some of the juice out and they'll use that juice to make a white wine. Mm, okay. And that makes it the, the ratio of skins and stems to actual grape juice um, lower or – Lower, higher, I guess higher. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So it's it's more grapes and stems to juice, and that makes it a little bit more concentrated. So this is so they bled off some of that. I'm not sure what they did with it, but I'm sure they made a white wine or something with it. Um, oh, that would be so great. So not to derail it, yeah. But this is the thing that like because alcohol is so heavily regulated to mm-hmm. get to the anarchy part. Yeah. Just imagine if you could sell a wine pair. Mm-hmm. So it's two bottles fused together Okay. where the white that they produce by bleeding this off, assuming they actually produced a white off of it, yeah. is the other bottle. That would be really cool. And it, it's a small bottle, you know, like a, a sample bottle. Yeah. But, like, that's the combo. Like, so you could be like, this is that, and then this – well, that's the problem is sometimes reds age longer, so maybe the white's already been consumed. Mm-hmm. But that would be a great pairing concept to me. Mm. Yeah, I think that would be really neat. It would just be kind of cool to have it, mm-hmm. uh, just to see. And also for people who are interested or kind of wanting to learn about it, that's a that's a cool way to introduce that concept. Yeah, um, it's like, look, we're going to explain every aspect of this. Yeah, yeah. So then this was uh, this was primed with Bordeaux yeast, so it didn't use Texas wild yeast. Mm-hmm. So that's going to add the flavor as well. I don't know what it's what it's adding specifically, but it's going to add to it. Uh, then it was aged in French oak for 18 months and then mm-hmm. an additional seven month in a neutral container and then bottled February 1st, 2018. So I think with Bordeaux yeast, you're going to get more, not necessarily like the GSM mm-hmm. necessarily, mm-hmm. but I think like Texas wild yeast mm-hmm. because of... Well, it depends on where in Texas. Yeah. I mean, Dallas wild yeast is definitely going to be more metropolitan yeast, right. I'd say, because of all the stuff going on in Dallas. Right. But wild Texas yeast is probably more aggressive in its own way. Um, I forget what I was listening to. Oh, no, it was your interview with uh, the gentleman in Oregon. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Craig, uh, Craig Camp. And he was talking about the, the like how sometimes they'll introduce like a specific yeast mm-hmm. and that's because that's the yeast that does all the work. Right. So like I think that's kind of the idea is like you, you're getting some of the terroir, terroir yeah. of Bordeaux and especially with a blend. Yeah. I think that's probably like a good leading foot. Mm-hmm. Whereas like 
you know the yeast that's going to finish it. It's not the normal yeast, but like you kind of get away from that. And this is my assumption about Texas yeast and just like kind of like Virginia yeast. Yeah. Like me, Virginia yeast is probably really fat and like survives on the moisture. Mm-hmm. Whereas like High Plains, Texas to me sounds like a drier environment. Yeah, I think it Hampton is. Roads. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty much anywhere in Texas is drier than Hampton Roads. That's yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the coast, Houston, maybe yeah, not. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, being on the water in some, one of the most humid places ever, like that isn't you know the Caribbean or right. the South Pacific. But yeah, so I, I think that's the. I think it's going to give that kind of more structureness to it. Yeah. Well, it's it's definitely very good. I would I would highly recommend it to anybody in who's just kind of passing through. You can order it online. I'll put a I'll put a link to the to the wine in the show notes page. So let's ask. Let me ask this. Yeah. I'm not from Texas. Mm-hmm. I don't have the powers of figuring out Total Wine's extra interesting things that you seem to do. Yeah. Or maybe the Ghent Total Wine just sucks. Okay. Um, I mean, they're all very nice. <laughs> it doesn't suck. Um, how did you find this? Where did you get this? Like, well, if it, somebody's in Dallas. So, it was, uh, like, well, in Dallas, I don't know. I, I got okay. this. I got this when I was down in Hill Country. Oh, did you get this directly from the winery itself? Yeah, yeah. I just went in. Oh, and, fantastic! Yeah. So when I was driving down that road that had mm-hmm. like eight million wineries on it, I just pulled off onto every one, and just <laughs> and just bought a bottle or two. Oh, so, classic. Uh, and these were expensive. I got another one from them too. They I got a Vignet from them too. That I'm after having this one, and also the lady gave me tastes of it. So the Vignet was very good, and this was was super good. And then she also gave me one that I, I didn't care for, but. I should have written down what it was because apparently it is uh, – and also the guy from the Chisholm Trail Winery, the one that was just mm-hmm. kind of like out in the middle of nowhere. The biker bar one? Yeah, the biker bar one. Yeah. So both that guy and this lady were both making – and I actually like the biker bar guys better than hers. Um, they were making it out of – I can't remember what it's called, but it was it was the red grape varietal introduced in the 1600s by the Spanish monks into texas okay so it is it's a european grape that they brought Mm -hmm. over apparently it's not used very often anymore in europe it's sweet it's semi-sweet i guess it's very very concord grapey tasting Um, okay very interesting very and i liked Hmm. it a lot and that kind of sort of on that note yeah you liked it a lot i did like it it was but it was it was not i liked it as far as like a glass of grape juice goes. I was going to say, did you like the oddity, but not the wine? Yeah. Yeah. That's why, yeah, that's why I didn't buy it. So it's, it's like a, it's kind of like if you're having like the unique Georgians. Exactly. Yeah. It was interesting. This may not be the wine style you like, but you recognize the uniqueness of this. Right. Yeah. And that's what, I guess that's what it was. It was like, it was very similar to Concord grape juice. Mm -hmm. Uh, in its in its sweetness, it was alcoholic, and but it was so so smooth that it was basically juice. It was, mm. but it was alcoholic too. But it wasn't oh, like man, like yeah, I'm, you, I'm really craving this thing now. You, you probably like it, you know. When you're down here, it, it was that winery's not too far away from where Childeberg's going to be, so maybe we can swing down there and grab a bottle. Uh, we are going to be some. Busy fools. I know, I know. Yeah. On that fact. Speaking (laughs) of which, Jacob, I know we have plugs. I know we have recorded things, but there is nothing more fantastic, better 
than when Tom and Bob struggle through segueing the control crews into their episodes. So why don't we one up them yet again by having a more interesting segue as in what the heck is Childerberg? Yeah, what the heck is Childerberg indeed? So Childerberg, as I've been billing it, is the premier free folk gathering in Texas. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of this recording, we do still have a f- very few campsites still available. They may not, once we release this, it, they may not be there anymore. But Or when the fantastic newsletter goes out. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. I'm going to be trying to send out another newsletter this week. And um, the... Well, it'll be out probably before this episode. So, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but it is uh, going to be a lot of fun. It's at a lake. We do have the wine van, which you will be driving and yes. visiting. He stole my my one glory oh. of thunder. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. You have volunteered graciously to forego mm-hmm. drinking earlier on in the day. I'm sure we'll make up for it later on in the day. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's just going to be like a lot of like the friends against government are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one of them, Carr, is going to be there. Yes, um, my opportunity to meet Carr. Yeah, he's, um, he's a cool guy. And possibly, you know, this is one of those things where if we can get you out here sometime in August, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, we might try to do a weekend get up, you know, butt crack of dawn and try to get to New York and see uh, Bird if he's That'd willing. be really cool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, cause I, I feel really bad that he's not going to be able to attend. Cause yeah. I mean, like, I know that you have put in the lion's share of work uh, behind the scenes and this is from my perspective and this is not to not car any idea anyway, cause he came right. up with this idea and it's fantastic, <laughs> um, yeah. on getting this together. But like the fact that he's not going to get to go like, and, cause I know like if he was going and this is not in like a, again, not knocking him. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the amount of mental strain he would put himself under to try to promote and, like, just ride this thing, like, to make it, like, Bird to, like, pump this up if oh, he yeah. was be- able to go would just be through the roof. Like, I, I don't think the guy would graduate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, well, and he's got a lot of work to do in school, so and he's doing real well from what I understand, or good. at least that's what he yeah. tells me. I mean, there's so <laughs> like neither, neither you or I think college is necessary, but like he's clearly devoted his time and energy yeah. into this. And yeah. while we both believe in the suck cost fallacy, like I don't think he's, I don't think that's the case for him. I think no. he's going to do really yeah. well from that. I think so too, and and that's kind of the, the deal with college in general is you, is you get out of it what you put into it, and, and I got nothing. So. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so uh, June 8th and 9th yep, June in 8th Texas. And 9th. Texas, uh, it's uh, at uh, Black Rock Park. If you uh-huh. if there are no campsites left, that's fine. There are other places for you guys to stay. There's there's some towns nearby with hotels. Uh-huh. Uh, there are other campsites that you may be able to find and, a site and for. And here's the thing. like As long as you're not consuming yeah, or if you consume and then do the appropriate sobering up. Um, believe me, if you're going to try to drive off, I will administer some road nap, sobriety nap, tests nap that involve vi- yoga. So a, a be, nap violation. be prepared. Um, and I may be drunkenly telling you to do things. So, you know, hey, just know ahead of time. Yeah. Um, we really don't want anybody coming down on us. But, Jacob, we are going to be spending some time not necessarily at the campsite because, unfortunately, which we totally respect. It's their private property. They don't allow drinking on site. That's so right. we will be hanging out in the state park next to it. Yep. Um, which is like oh. 20 – it's like 20 feet over. So yeah, it's I mean, very, it, very it's close. Not, <laughs> it's not very far over. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a county park actually. Yeah. So – Well – 
you know, yeah. Texas County, it's the size of most states. That's true. Um, yeah. Well, so most I, states that aren't more Virginia. Yeah. Like so I've got lower than Virginia. <laughs> that's right. I've got a uh, like a home base set up for mm-hmm. that side. So we'll be putting down a very large tarp and a canopy for shade. Uh, mm-hmm. So people can come and hang out on that side. It's also right next to the water, so you'll still be able to get in the water if you want to. Um, but yes, they they do not allow drinking on the camping side, and so mm-hmm. we will be doing our well, drinking. We will ex- respect their property rights. It's totally acceptable that they don't. We wish they did, but yeah. you know we can certainly understand not taking the liability because right. people are so happy, which we are yeah. not. Yep. Um, but yeah, so this is going to be one of those times, and I will tell this on the podcast. Yep. Since you have moved to Texas, mm-hmm. this will be the first time I've seen you in person. So that's right. Yeah, expect some weird male bonding between yeah. Jacob and I because we haven't seen each other, and we used to see each other every single five day. days out of seven. Um, well, sometimes not, more. Yeah, I was going to say if not more than yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so it'll be the first time. Uh, we will definitely not be leaving car out of that. So car, if you're listening to this, prepare for the weirdness that is Jacob and I together. Um, Sucker. <laughs> well, and and I think and not just the weird. You know, you and I started talking about this before the show. Not just the weirdness of you and me, just the weirdness of. But it's like the the happy weirdness of libertarians. So I, I think it's like the each one of us ooze like our own uniqueness yeah. and of liberty out oh, of yeah, us. Yeah. And you know, we're not NPCs. So <laughs> right. like. You know, if the gentleman from uh, – I hope he doesn't mind us calling him a gentleman and I hope um, I'm right on that, uh, who is coming from out of the country. Oh, yeah. It, still able to come hopefully. Um, yeah, it's going to be – this is one of those things where this is – if you can't attend – we are accepting donations to kind of smooth out the cost, especially, you know, things like the wine van and, and those sort of things to try to put a good foundation of being able to pay for the space and, and you know, the use of these sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll always accept those. But Jacob, I, unlike the Contra Cruz, we are not going to hide the fact that this is not the last one. That's right. Uh, so next year, expect much larger things. Yes. And, you should get it on the ground floor. That's right. Yeah, you that's should, all I'm saying. Yeah, get on, get in, sign up for the newsletter. Get in on the ground floor for this next year. We will be having speakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be doing it in not in conjunction, I guess, because they're not agreeing to this. I'm just doing it anyways. Uh, in rivalry. Yeah, well, in friendly rivalry, I guess, <laughs> with uh, with the LNC uh, Libertarian National Convention. It's mm-hmm. going to. We're going to. I'm going to try to do it either. Well, I think I'm going to try to do it uh, the last day and the trailing two days of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, yeah. That seems to be how it's going to work out. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I will tell you ahead of time, folks, Jacob doesn't know this. Mm-hmm. For those of you who attend the first one and can attend the second one, there are perks. There, there are perks, advantages. Yeah. Um, that is not to say that you will not have a blast on the dose, right. but – we will definitely be glad to see our friends who we will pro- possibly not have seen in years um, or a year. Right. <laughs> but, you know, this is this is going to be it, folks. I mean, like, you know, the Contra Cruz is, is the premier libertarian event. I, I'll have to say it. Yeah. Like, you know, the LNC is, is very interesting. If Murray Rothbard was alive, it would be the premier event, yeah. especially if he was attending. Um, but the idea that 
you can have Tom and Bob in one place. Oh yeah. At a time. And then, you know, whomever else is going to come like, yes, we, we understand that is, that is the case. And we understand the LNC is going to be packed because Tom is going to be showing up and Dave and Dave Smith and, and yeah. those people are going to be showing up. The superior groups, as we call them, right. uh, will definitely be there. But for those of you who are outside of that, who are more than that, who are less than that, there's us. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we are going to be having a blast in Texas. Right. We'll have, we'll be having a blast. I'm going to try to my best. There's, I have, I have a couple of different campsites in mind. They're all under 40 minutes away from where the LNC will be held. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it'll be good. Like if you want to spend your days at the LNC and you want to, you want to truck out to, uh, Childeberg at night and see what we've got going on, that's going to work out real well. But Childeberg one is also going to be outstanding and it's, We've got a lot of really fun, quirky, uh, not even really inside jokes, but like kind of like Twitter things. This is really something that kind of evolved out of Twitter and between mm-hmm. just Mason and you and me texting, just all of the ideas that we've come up with. We've oh, got yes. a, a lot of really fun stuff planned. And Plus, I'm going to drive a van. Exactly. The wine van. <laughs> like, how, how many libertarian events do you know go to a bunch of different wineries? Yeah. It, so. so people, just if you are attending and you're listening to this. Most wineries don't necessarily have a dress code, but they have a respect code. Mm-hmm. So plan to be somewhat sober and don't smell like butthole. Right. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and it's hot in Texas, so it's, uh, it's I'll easy. I'll have the AC on in the van. Right. right. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Uh, I had a news article, but I'm going to probably save that for I, a uh, – I, I think the news article, to be mm-hmm. honest, I well, the, so everybody who doesn't necessarily – car, you son of a bitch, um, <laughs> don't like the uh, historical episodes where it's you and I together. Um, this is much more of, of that format that yeah. – I think that, epi- that article personally mm-hmm. – because we don't like while Texas is in the heartland, because it's on a coast, yeah, it has a little bit of a different status. I think that article really needs more of our time. Okay, um, so I, I think we should definitely save that one to to the next episode. Okay. I'll say I'll save it for then. Um, I'm going to go ahead and save my other wine for a mini episode, mm-hmm. um, which actually you may hear before this episode because I haven't recorded a mini in a while. Let me go ahead and real quickly cap this beer because i'm a real big fan of this brewery right now mm-hmm. uh it's in it's from oklahoma city it's called rough tail brewery mm-hmm. uh, i got a a big variety pack of Ooh. all of their different beers some of them are limited edition this one uh is very jealous yeah it, it's it's pretty cool and and i'll uh, make sure that i'll i'll have some for you mason when you come out mm-hmm. um this one is really interesting it's called uh, mosaic milkshake and it is wait 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 so, exactly. That's that's the same mosaic milkshake. Yes. Okay. So, if I have to guess, mm-hmm. it's a milk stout. Okay. But there's a twist, like um, not necessarily like vanilla, but like when I hear mosaic, I hear something lighter. Yeah. Um, almost like a cinnamon. You know, kind of that like you know this color of a lot of things that are cinnamon. It's kind of like almost a coffee color. Yeah. As opposed to like the stout where you could almost be like black or like a, almost like a soy sauce. Right. Color. Well, that's a really, really good guess, <laughs> but you're, yeah, incor- yeah. but you're incorrect. Oh. <laughs> but oh, go figure. I'm going to tell you why it's a good guess. So this is actually okay. an IPA with vanilla and lactose. Really? Yeah. Lactose. Really? Yeah. So very unusual. It tastes very much like a hoppy stout. 
that sound like so just so everybody knows i thought about pausing the episode and getting a yingling because i wanted an additional alcoholic drink but i didn't want to open the uh final rose i had because that is much more alcoholic than i wanted at the moment Mm -hmm. now i'm just desiring this uh, milky yeah it's very good it's i don't think i've had anything exactly like this before i also don't think i've had anything with lactose in it before um Um, i I maybe have but i I don't recall yeah to to be honest like i I think you probably have had something that may have had lactose in it but i don't think it was a feature of it well, for those of you who are in the Dallas area, this is from uh, Rough Tail. They're actually out of Oklahoma City, but they do have a distributor here, so you should be able Ooh. to get this beer. It, it's very good. Again, it's a mosaic milkshake. It's IPA with vanilla and lactose, and it's by Rough Tail Brewing. I really like this one. Um, I'm hoping to have somebody from this brewery on the show at some point to just kind of talk about there, – there's a lot of weird laws in Texas and Oklahoma, actually. Uh, so, Jacob, mm-hmm. real quick. Did uh, Alabaster from the OKC deliver this to you? He did, yep. Alabaster. Right, Alabaster from the OKC. So for anybody who doesn't know, anytime Jacob and I can reference King of the Hill, we yeah. did. Um, so now I, I will say, um, yeah, I, I really would like to hear, and I mean, you know, like I would be willing to sacrifice a couple episodes to hear about the, the combination that went into this. Yeah. Like not only the name. Like the name is great, Mm -hmm. but the combination of deciding that I'm going to do an IPA, well, you know, in Hampton Roads, IPAs are the thing. So that that's fine. But to be like, I need to be unique. Now, as you said, part of this pack, there were some limited releases. Is this a limited release from them? Um, Do you know? He told me that. I actually got this directly from one of the people who works there, but uh, he told me. No, no, you got this from Alabaster. Yeah, from Alabaster. That's right. (laughs) He told me the ones with a sticker are the ones that are the limited release. This one does. Okay. It seems like it has a sticker on it, but it's hard for me to tell. It, okay. it looks like because well, it's yeah. similar to the other ones that I know are not. Um, like this one has like it looks almost like a uh, like one of those plastic covers. So it, I think it's a sticker because some of the other mm-hmm. ones don't have it exactly like this, but it's, okay. si- it's similar. So I think this might be a limited release. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna text him though after the show and and tell him. I'm going to tell Alabaster that uh, this one I really, really like. So if he Look, got, he's if just he a curry. You're going to tell him crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's very good. tell though. the producer that yeah. Alabaster did a good job, but I need to know more about this. Right. Because, yeah, it's, it's a, this is a very good one. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've got a couple of other really interesting ones. I've got a couple of Imperial Stouts from them that are oh. – uh, one of them is an Imperial Stout that is aged on coconut chips. Uh, so that will be an interesting one. Yeah, a lot of stouts seem to be going – like coconut yeah which you know coconut's not a, a, a huge thing for me okay um but my wife really likes coconut and i really like stout yeah so anything where she's like oh this is a good stout i'm kind of poor yeah <laughs> so. yeah yeah well i mean he's got some good ones and and when you come out here mason we're gonna definitely be trying a lot of a lot of different things so i'm going to be need to be drinking like three gallons of water before this trip well one of the things i <laughs> like actually thought about here's another childerberg thing i, I thought mm-hmm. about maybe getting like gigantic cases of pedialyte and bringing it down with us. Yeah, so, so and, and this water. is one of those things where, like, I thought about, like, just stacking the back of the van yeah. with, uh, like, cheap Walmart coolers just yeah, full yeah. of ice. Yeah. And then, you know, buying, like, those uh, gallon-sized Deer Park water jugs. Oh, yeah. And well, just being like, yeah. look, I'm not telling you people to drink water. I'm just recommending you do. Yeah. Um, 
because that's the thing is like both you and I have a tendency to overconsume, but we also know our limits, mm-hmm. and especially in the heat, yeah. Like, so yeah. Well, I think I think I'm going to be bringing. Well, we're, we're for sure going to have a lot of water there for anybody mm-hmm. who is just curious about that. There is. Well, I mean, there's a lake. Yeah, there's a, well, there's a lake, and there's also <laughs> there is plumbing there. There's, yeah. there's a shower house and a bathroom mm-hmm. and drinking fountains. But Good. for those of you who don't want gross. Uh, county water or whatever it is. Um, actually, it may be fine. I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, probably really good because it's probably like super untreated. Yeah, by probably. comparison. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we'll have that there too. And and mm-hmm. you know, and also because we know this group, like you and I, have done a lot of libertarian meetings and stuff like that, where we have mm-hmm. way over consumed. And yeah, but we're like but, the only ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like libertarians are usually usually pretty good at. Pretty not, responsible. Yeah, pretty for, responsible, not being yeah. and pretty good at not being absolutely ridiculous. So, well, being ridiculous, but in a different way, not being I mean, ridiculous. Just us. Something. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous on all fronts. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, how many people do you know uh, wouldn't grab the rent money to buy a bunch of mushrooms that never yeah. that they never got? <laughs> so, yeah, you know. Yeah. All right. And well, when you invest in the black market, you never know. That's true. That's true. That's why we need to make that market not black. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be like. Denver is talking about being the first city, which... Yeah, to decriminalize psilocybin. That is a big deal. And actually, you know who's talking about that soon um, is a Childeberg attendee, Mr. Sue. That's right. Yeah, so either either he's done it recently or he's got an episode coming out soon, I Mm -hmm. think, that is about Denver. Uh, I I briefly was in a Twitter conversation with him and some... and actually Denver Libertarian, so shout out to Denver Libertarian. He might actually be coming down too. Um, but that they're, they've got some, these, the psilocybin legislation going through to decriminalize. So that would be, uh, not only good for people who want to use it recreationally, but people who are either in terminal care or, um, have uh, PTSD very badly. I mean, and, you know, the, it's a like, lot of, lot of, so lot of medical uses for it. The, like psilocybin is one of those things where under the right circumstances, it, it i i will never call anything a cure all yeah but the medical benefits to mm-hmm. tripping especially under psilocybin in a not necessarily a low dose situation but right. like a a medium medium dose situation yeah like a guided situation the, yeah there are a lot of just pure benefits that we're seeing like mm-hmm from depression to suicidal thoughts and aberrations where it's like yeah, addiction. That's a big and, one. And here's the thing, like, and this is one of those kind of weird thoughts. I think there are people who are addicted to suicidal thoughts. That's not a weird thought. This let's close on this actually, okay. because this, this is my newest theory about politics. Okay. So there are, I know this from my situation in the past for various uh, situations where I've had people that were very difficult to – who I cared about a lot and that were in my life that were very difficult because they were so incredibly self-destructive. And for a very long time, I couldn't figure out why. Like Mm -hmm. why would they do this to themselves and the people around them and stuff? And through – because I'm Jacob and this is the way I deal with – Everything is because you're essentially autistic, but not <laughs> right. Exactly. I I just read and and mm-hmm. just read and read and read and read and it turns out there is a chemical. You can get addicted to cortisol and uh, other stress related hormones the same way you mm-hmm. can get addicted mm-hmm. to dopamine and yeah. Um and cortisol does have a very similar effect to 
to dopamine at first, but it also leads to depression and uh, gaining weight and mm-hmm. and various other things. But people who have uh, very destructive personalities oftentimes have very high elevated levels of cortisol and other stress-related hormones, and they are addictive. And so they will continue to do things, whether they know it or not, they will continue to do things that are self-destructive to get a release of cortisol. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and the stuff that they do will maybe seem very crazy to you, and later on they regret it. But at the time, they need that fix. Yeah, and and that's the thing about most um, psychoact, like super psychoactive chemicals, because yeah. mm-hmm. marijuana has its own. Like, if you've never done anything, marijuana is a very psychoactive drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you've done like DMT, it's not. No, no, not at all. Like. You can certainly like, and that's the thing is like, if you could, if you have a DMT experience and you didn't intend to, mm-hmm. eat, marijuana can continue to be a very psychoactive drug. Right. But if you like routinely, if you seek DMT experiences, mm-hmm. like it's different. But like that's the thing about like psilocybin compared to DMT, is it, and just like a LSD, it not permanently almost, but it's almost like it's permanently yeah. changes how your mind like there's right. that event and then there's the rest of your life yeah whereas like there are like uh 5meo like some of the like super kind of nasty chemical ones yeah um, yeah the, that, the one from the toads is uh i think it's 5meo yeah and that one's that one, very that intense one, that one is not as bad but like some of the super chemical like the yeah. Like oh, like, like from they... like Pharmawaska, which is uh, – I can't remember what they mix it with, but it's – it's uh, it doesn't – like a normal DMT trip is under 10 minutes. Yeah. A, a Pharmawaska trip couldn't be hours. And yeah. I, I can't imagine – like from you know my experiences with DMT, I can't imagine tripping for that long. Well, you know me. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I'm sure you would. <laughs> but kind of – kind of get – let me get back to though my theory real quick before mm-hmm, I forget about mm-hmm. it. So – so that that's something I learned in the past, and, and uh, I, th- I find that very interesting. And now I kind of – I think about that when I think about people's motivation is how much of what people do is motivated by chemical releases in their body. Now, mm-hmm. there's another thing going on, and they've been doing a lot of studies of this as well, which is the chemical release of dopamine and cortisol, depending on the situation, of your phone buzzing in your pocket. Uh, yes. And so because people get a dopamine release from connecting with people on social media and the buzz is now is then associated with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've also tied this to – they call them phantom vibrations and that is where you think your phone vibrates in your pocket so you check it because it does give you a very small dopamine release even though you didn't get a message. Yeah, I, I've broken myself of that. Yeah. Well, one of the things I did is stop carrying my phone in my pocket. So well, so I I never did that, but I only text really two people consistently. Yeah, and it's you and my wife. Right. But I because of our work environment, mm-hmm. you know the the work environment that you previously worked in and the work environment I work in currently. Yeah, it's not an issue if I get the medis- notifications. Mm-hmm. It's an issue if the people around me do. Right. So therefore, I moderate my behavior, which also helps my work productivity. Right. But you know, I'm also I don't, you know, 
like you've got to get work done and I've got to get work done and my wife's got to get work done. It's right. not like neither any of the three of us are unemployed. Right. Um, so like I don't have that phantom issue like I used to, but mainly because my phone's on silent so often. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've turned off like all levels of notification almost. Mm-hmm. And, and this is kind of one, this is not necessarily a reason why I like, if you, if you're ever on our Twitter, uh, tasting anarchy on Twitter, um, it's not the reason Jacob's the one who manages that mainly, but like, I just, you know, like I don't need to see the notification yeah. like anymore. It's like my parents, you know, text me and things like that, but I don't have any anxiety like I used to. Right. And, like I noticed like, I, and I was un, unintentional. Like I just yeah. turned it off and I'm like, yeah, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is, this is what I think, um, is, my most recent theory or whatever about the elections is that mm-hmm. if the Democrats don't put somebody up that is incredibly polarizing, they will lose. And the reason they will lose is because – not because they have you know better policies or worse policies or Trump's better or worse. It's that Trump invokes cortisol and dopamine releases in people through hmm. his actions. And even if they don't support Trump, if the, the never-Trumpers – I believe mm-hmm. will secretly vote for him in order to continue their fix. So the the only pushback I have mm-hmm. on that is Hillary won the popular vote. Yes, that's true. And there are candidates that the Democrats could run who are not running that will pull well in those places. Well, that's true. Um, I, so like, I'm, I'm curious um, to see what – so the the one person that I could see the Democrats and, – and I think this is, this is the correct strategy. If I was a Democrat strategist, I would say whoever you really want to run, do not enter them into the race until two or three debates in, mm-hmm. in the primaries. Mm-hmm. The way I would do it if I was the Democrats is I would enter Oprah Winfrey in after the third debate. I don't think they can run a popular candidate who doesn't have political experience. I think they I, I think they can and I think they could do it with Oprah because I think people would get out and vote, but if they do somebody like if they and they're not going to do this it it's kind of clear to me that they are already kind of doing the same thing to Bernie that they did the first time and he's a lunatic, but and also I don't think he wants to win like the way that he the way he talks and no, stuff. No, he 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 would kill himself if yeah, he won. I think so too. I think he. I think he's after more money uh, because he. I makes... don't. I don't necessarily think he's after more money. I think he's like Rand Paul. Rand Paul's not his dad. His dad could handle the stress of the office. Rand feels it too close. That could be where Bernie understands what the stress of the office does. Mm-hmm. Because I I feel like he knew enough of enough people who have tried to do it really tried to do it right and been like no 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 that's that's not who I am right well this is the way that I see it and this will mm-hmm. this will be kind of the summary and then we can do closing um, well I've got I've got a candidate that I I'll suggest and okay. we'll see from there after right. you yeah. go through yours so th- my summary is that. The majority of the nation at this point, whether Democrats or Republicans, suffer from battered wife syndrome toward the government. And mm-hmm. if there is not a polarizing figure or a figure that is going to give them the biochemical release that they need, 
they will not get out and vote for them. They will have no motivation. And so mm-hmm. um, this is a huge advantage that I think Trump has because people hate him so much. Mm-hmm. And, and people hate the fact that they hate him so yes, much. Yeah, exactly. And that, yeah. that that stress and that release of cortisol in their system I think is going to drive them to go and vote for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if for no other re- – well, maybe not even to vote for him but to go and vote. And But I don't see them going out and pulling the lever for like Beto. Because yeah, he's so, just so he's so vanilla and neutral. So I think personally, mm-hmm. he's flappable. Okay, and all of the Democratic candidates are flappable except for Tulsi Gabbard. That, that's I mean, other than her crazy everything else besides her foreign policy. Actually, I love her foreign policy, but uh, everything else that's about it. Yeah. But that's the thing she's she's not flappable. It's hard to push her off balance. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't hit back. Yeah. So I'm going to propose the dark horse candidate. Okay. Jim Webb. That he's actually a would be very interesting. freaking lunatic. He is a lunatic. That's right. But he is unflappable. Yeah. So Trump could get up there and be like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you know, here's why you're factually incorrect. Yeah. And then he'd be like, and, and I killed the guy. And, but that's <laughs> the thing is like, and he would, he's like, and I killed, you know, eight people with a grenade or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, it, it, Jim Webb is one of those guys where, He's unflappable. Yeah, he's milk toast. Where, you know, he it's it, you're not going to find a black face. He's not Ralph Northam. You're not going to find a black face picture from him. Right. He's just that combination of Democrat where it's like he's big on the military. He has the veteran support. Yeah, because you know he was he's a veteran. Right. He's was possibly going to be you know a Trump defense department like i mean he was considered pretty heavily supposedly by the you know outsiders from the trump administration and he's not so polarizing that people are switching back like you know because people seem to be like 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 if you listen to malice and things like that you know people are turning conservative and stuff like that Mm -hmm. he's that classic mix of democrat like well, I mean, he was a Republican until 2006. Yeah, he's so, a, he's a Virginian Democrat. Yeah, right. Where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to tear down the Confederate statues. Why? It's like, look, I just I'm not going to fight the yeah. people who want to fight over this. You guys can go to face them. We're going to clean them up. We're not going to arrest you. Yeah. Well, and, you and know, he, he does. He's, he's he's also got enough nostalgia too. I, I, wasn't he Secretary of the Navy under Reagan? Yes. Uh, so, like, he's got that uh, where he was in the Reagan administration. He's a Democrat. And, he's and that's the thing you know. is like he's in the pocket of the deep state. Yeah, he has a. But that's the thing is you don't have to go out of your way to produce the like deep state backing for him. He's already got it. They know right. him. Mm-hmm. He he's he's this dark horse candidate where like. He's not a socialist, mm-hmm. but he's not necessarily against all of that stuff. You know, he 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 fits this mold that like, um, kind of like George W. did, mm-hmm. where like Al Gore was really pushing a flipping crazy message. Yeah, but he was doing it in the plank system, right? So you could listen to what normal Al Gore, Al Gore was saying out of his mouth, which was bananas. Mm-hmm. 
or you could listen to the planks from the Democratic Party and you're like, well, that's what they're going to vote for. Right. And that's what they're going to do, which we all have found out later. The planks are bullshit. But yeah, that's the reason that was the last election. But he's that classic George Bush where it's like, no, no, no. He could just literally come out as the voice of sanity. It's like, look, socialism didn't work. We literally watched the Soviet Union tear itself apart. Right. Never mind the CAA basically engineered the entire thing. Yeah. Never mind, you know, all this stuff. It's like, yeah, the war in Iraq was a mistake. Joe Biden, and this is the thing that I didn't know, Joe Biden was ahead of the, like, basically the kingmaker in the Senate at the time for wars. Yeah. And pushed through the, you know, second Iraq war. So, you know, like he can literally destroy all of these people except for this rabid, you know, rabid socialist base. Like the only people I see him having a problem with is Sanders and Gabbard because they stand for something. Right. And Jim Webb has stood for the things he stood for for quite a while. Like he's not a flip flopper as far as I know. Mm -hmm. So he's not like Beto where it's just like whatever's popular. Right. And he's not like. Whatever that gay mayor is, or whatever. Yeah, uh, Badagagi, I think his name is. Badagagi or Badagagi. I think they call him Mayor Pete or yeah, something. Mayor Pete. Yeah. He, he's not a lunatic. And he's also one of those guys where, like, I think Jim Webb could come up and, like, go into, you know, I will call her, um, everybody calls her AOC, but I like calling her by her, la- her second last name because it pisses her off. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Cortez. He could go in her office and shut her up. It's like, look. You're a dummy. Yeah. Here's here's all of the stupid things you've said. Here's all of the things that prove you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I could torture you, and I can do it in a way that you will never understand how you literally lost the spotlight because I own the media, or yeah. you can get in line. Yeah. And it's your choice, and you can release this conversation. It's not going to hurt me. Like, if Bernie tried to do that and be like, the death of Bernie because they would be going out for him. But Jim yeah. Webb, like he's literally the, he's the dark horse candidate. Anyone else I can think like, I'm sure the, the Democrats have a hundred dark horse candidates like Jim Webb, you know, from yeah. you know, Clinton and Mer- Clinton administration officials and, and in those sort of people that they could run. But he's the only one where I'm like, he's still kicking around. Like, yeah. It's not like Jim Webb's inactive. That's like, true. Well, I think that's a, I think that's a good prediction to end on. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, I think we've actually done all of our plugs, but let's go ahead and do them one more time. Follow us at Tasting Anarchy. You can email me, tastinganarchy at gmail.com. If you want to ask Mason a question, I will get that to him. Mm-hmm. Um, go to our website, uh, tastinganarchy dot com, and you can take advantage of our last bottle wine sale, which. That's another one we wanted to get into today, but we just talked so long about our wines that um, and, and other fun other things. Fun things. <laughs> so I think that's a great place to wrap, Mason. Well, real quick, sure. we have two friend podcasts um, that we both have, or well, one of which we both have been on. The other, hmm, one yeah. of us hasn't. I've, I've been uh, on. I've been on one of them twice. <laughs> oh yes, you have. But you're an emergency guest who can fill in that's at true. times, yeah. like I've been doing with the mini episodes. I can manage that's seven right. minutes, yeah. whereas you apparently at one point can manage, you know, an hour and forty, yeah, or something like that. So, uh, friends against government, also known as the Fagcast, uh, Car and Bird, you can always listen to them, and then also Sounds Like Liberty, mm-hmm. uh, Nikki P and his wonderful wife Lizzie. If you're listening, interested in some music reviews, theories, like I mean they. Because I can't hear music the way they do, mm-hmm. 
it's over my head 90% of the time, but they have wonderful, great and illuminating conversations about music and with people about their musical tastes. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently you and I were like the only people who don't like the Beatles. Well, you like the Beatles. I like the Beatles. Yeah. I I don't care for them, but neither of us talked about them. Yeah. I I just don't bring it up, but (laughs) you know, they've in subsequent episodes talked about how interesting you and I are music. Well, (laughs) musically separately, but as a, as a, couple i guess for lack of a better way of putting it brother uh, and brother yeah yeah, yeah as, bro- as like brothers in you know friendship and broadcasting yeah. Yeah, exactly so uh, the, the, yeah so yeah, it's funny so, but uh, also one more one more show that i will actually be on very soon is oh, wait, uh we also like i feel bad about this oh we don't promote mr sue we talk about him oh that's right every yeah. episode that's but true. we don't the mr sue like yeah mr uh, sue the pseudo intellectual on yes. um <laughs> uh, alternative internet radio, which is also mm-hmm. uh, Dino's. Uh, he's got the Dino Files and a couple of mm-hmm. other shows that I don't listen to the and, other shows, but the Dino Files is very good. And yeah. Mr. Sue's show, The Pseudo Intellectual, is very good. Um, and then one more show oh. that I'm going to be on either this week or next week. I, I have to message him because I can't remember when. Um, the Rolo and Slappy show. Oh. Uh, Rolo McFrugal will be at Childeberg. And so I'm sure that we will be talking about Childeberg on the next episode of Rollo and Slappy. Oh, I'm sure. Or maybe not the next episode, but the one that you appear on. Yeah, well, yeah. How they yeah I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure how they do it either. Um, but So, Jacob, yep. real quick, mm-hmm. remind listeners, what is the winery and wine you were drinking tonight? I was drinking um, – well, the, the winery is called – or it's a consortium or whatever. It's called uh, the V, v- – I'm going to try to pronounce this again. Vinovium. 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 Yeah, Vinovium. I like it. Yep. The wine is called Sketch. Mm-hmm. It's a red blend from Texas. Super good. What were you drinking, good. Mason? I was drinking Prima Soli, uh, uh, Trebani, Trebino, Trebano. Um, I think it's Trebano or Trebano. Highly well produced white grapes that apparently, you know, neither of us can pronounce correctly, but either way, <laughs> um, mine. Not bad, you know. I, as I got more into the bottle, like I got into familiar flavors. Definitely high acidity, but not red acidity. It's the white acidity, so there's definitely some sweetness on there. Um, definitely a good dry white, um, but a varietal of grape that I plan to explore um, after I'm done trying to find every vignette on the planet because vignettes are great. They as are. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a great place to end from me. Stay free. Stay free, everybody. Once a year, the world's power brokers meet in secret at a heavily secured facility and discuss the fate of regular people like you. This meeting is known as the Bilderberg. But you don't have to worry about that because you're going to Childeberg. Childeberg is the premier gathering of free folk in Texas, held at the beautiful Black Rock Park on the banks of refreshing Buchanan Lake in Iano County. Childeberg 2019, June 8th and 9th. Chill in the lake. Make new friends with liberty lovers like you. Enjoy camping in the great outdoors. Hop in the wine van and visit the local wineries. Participate in podcasting magic and much, much more. Email us at tastinganarchy at gmail.com or reach out to us at Childeberg on Twitter for additional details. Childeberg 2019, June 8th and 9th. I'll see you there.